Morning, guys. Welcome to episode 10 of the Triage Method podcast. This week, we're going to be talking a little bit about some training stuff, okay? So exclusively training stuff today. We're going to talk a bit about changing your exercises over time, when you should do that, when you shouldn't do it, and why you would do it. And also a little bit about some training periodization. So how you could change your training over time in, in order to keep progress moving. Um, so, Paddy, how are you? I am fantastic. Very good. How was your trip to London? He's sipping coffee. I literally literally heard none of that reply. He just cut out. I said, how was your trip to London? Oh, it was delicious. Thank you. Delicious. Oh, yeah. Cool. So... Yeah, no, just saw 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 a load of uh, war memorials, and that always makes me horny. So uh, that was good. Like, <laughs> um, yes, yeah. So my week hasn't been that quite as exciting. But anyway, we're going to talk a little about changing your exercises. So, Patty, how often do you change your exercises? Do you do it optimally? How often do you think we should change our exercises? Man, it completely depends on your goals. Like. A lot. You'll see the research go back and forth between more frequent exercise changing or even more frequent exercise loading parameters. You'll see that a lot because we're obviously going to touch on periodization here as well and kind of people interjoin, I suppose, the two. They'll think, oh, I have a periodization plan and, you know, my, my plan says that I have to change the loading parameters like sets, reps, whatever the fuck it is, uh, every four weeks, we'll say. And then they think, oh, this is going to be a great time to change up my exercises. And, you know, for some people, for in some cases, that may be the case. For me, generally, I will pick a handful of exercises that target muscles or target strength deficits that I want to address. And then I will work on getting brutally strong at those. And I'll, I'll kind of keep them in the rotation um until i'm kind of plateauing on that um and i don't mean just oh i'm not just adding reps every single week or i'm just not adding weight every single week i mean i'm stuck at a certain weight and i'm not really getting a huge amount out of that and it's been like that for a couple of weeks now you know like i wouldn't be just oh one session in going all right well i've hit hit my top end it's starting to get hard with this um, I'm going to switch it because that's what a lot of people will do. They'll they'll spend four weeks or six weeks or however long their, their periodization plan is. They'll spend that time kind of mastering the movement, getting into grips of the movement. And then when the muscular system really starts having to work and it's not so much the like neurological uh, or the nervous system that has to do the work, they'll kind of start going, oh, shit, like it's getting hard. So uh, I'm going to switch it up. It's like that you've just like, are you actually getting like if, if the goal is to just get neurologically efficient at that movement for that period of time, then yeah, cool. Spend as long as you need to until you're, okay, I've got that movement down. Let's move on to the next one. That's, that's perfectly fine. You know, maybe that's six weeks for you and it's, you have that nailed down that movement um, and you don't really want any of the, the muscular benefits per se, or the, the hypertrophic benefits per se. And maybe it is just the, the nervous adaptations that you want. But if your goal is to, build muscle and get stronger over time i definitely would be keeping an exercise in the rotation for a longer period of time and you were writing stuff in the militia earlier this week uh, on this kind of topic and you said something that i was like yeah that, that makes a huge amount of sense and it, it's something that 
you'll see a lot of higher level coaches, athletes, gym trainees or whatever do, they will keep the main moves in there. And they'll, they'll keep that their bread and butter, like say your, your squats, your presses and that kind of stuff or even variations of it that target their bodies or their musculature more specifically, like they'll keep that in there and they'll just, you know, kind of change or alter the loading patterns uh, or the loading parameters, sets and reps and that kind of stuff. Um, but they'll keep the main moves in there and then the kind of more isolation stuff that's more kind of, we'll call it fluff work, you know, working on a little bit of the finer details say you know they change that kind of stuff up a bit more frequently and i don't even mean you know oh you're you're trying to get better at i don't know incline bench pressing and your supplementary exercise is incline dumbbell benching we'll say whatever um and i don't mean like that kind of secondary supporting movement i mean like you know oh, you're doing flies or incline dumbbell flies say after that and then maybe you're going to switch it to incline cable flies you know like it's similar enough movement different kind of loading pattern different kind of tax on the body but very similar movement pattern as a whole so people will kind of change that kind of stuff up but they'll keep their bread and butter exercises in there until they do genuinely find it's like okay well i just can't progress any further say for example you do an incline dumbbell benching and the the gym you go to only goes up to 50 kilo weights and you're like okay well i did them for 12 reps what am i going to do like 20 rep sets it's like okay that's probably not you know that's probably not applicable to your overall goals you know maybe it is but the majority of the time it's probably not going to be so then you have to go and go okay i do have to actually switch the exercise out for something that's going to give me similar benefits or different benefits that may also help my overall goal, whatever that is. So I suppose it kind of comes back to the same thing we always kind of talk about. The question you have to answer before you ask any of these questions is who is this for and what is their goal? You know? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. It covers a lot of things and I would be in agreement with all your points. And what I would say is the way I like to kind of sum it up in my head is that like, the frequency at which you vary your exercises should kind of be inversely proportional, if you want to put it, to the complexity of the exercise. So if you think of something like a squat, it's quite complex in that there's a lot of joints, a lot of muscles involved. There are a lot of, like not only that, but there are a lot of different ways you can actually perform a squat. And it takes a while for you to find that one that kind of suits you best, that allows you to recruit the muscles you're trying to recruit if that's the goal or that allows you to attain the greatest depth if that's the goal and all of those things do take time because you have to try and coordinate you know your hand position the position of your scapula your spine your breathing your bracing position of your pelvis knees hips ankles all of the system and all of that takes a lot of time so if you're going to vary that every four to six weeks you're probably not going to get very much out of the exercise because like you alluded to the first few weeks of a, of a strength training program, especially as we kind of adjust exercise selection, we're more so looking at kind of neurological adjustments. So, you know, you get changes in like the, the synchronization of motor units and all this sort of kind of nervous system stuff. But what I'm more focused on in this case is the actual skill component. So the skill of lifting, we often forget that that is a thing that we have to learn. And when we do get to the point where we're very competent neurologically from a skill perspective, and we can perform movements well, that's when we're able to manipulate those variables that everyone dreams over your volume, your intensity, your frequency, rep ranges, sets, all that, all those things those things only become effective to manipulate once you're actually able to do the the lift well. 
and you know we talk about this a lot of the time in terms of being able to feel your muscles work um and like that's pretty important for a lot of exercises even your isolation exercises but it could be a case that like for a bicep curl maybe you'll find one little cue that helps you to feel your bicep working better and boom that's it it's clicked you've got it Whereas for something like a squat, it actually takes a lot of different things. And I know people who've taken months and months and months to reevaluate and relearn their squat. And in that time, are they going to gain a lot of muscle from that movement? Meh, probably not. But once you actually do overcome that hump where you've learned it quite well, then you're able to actually get the hypertrophy out of it or the muscle gain, the toning, whatever you're looking for. Um, so I think it's important to keep all of that in mind. So when we think about variation, the more difficult exercises like your squats, deadlifts, even bench presses, even pull downs are actually, you know, more complex than people give them credit for overhead presses, anything where there's multiple joints and multiple muscles working, and where you have to coordinate more of your body at the same time, those exercises should be staying in the program for longer. And when they are varied, I feel that the variations should be a little more subtle so for example you might change from a, a neutral grip pull down to a wide grip pull down like overall a lot of the mechanics of the exercise is similar but it still takes a kind of a, a couple of weeks to learn properly but it's not such a, a change that you're going from like i don't know you only ever did pull downs and now you're doing rows or something like they're quite different um yeah like 100 percent just on that as well like people kind of forget that although yeah you're targeting say the, the back there or we'll go with the, the squats actually we'll go with kind of targeting the legs um people kind of forget that different movements although they are the same well i put that in kind of inverted commas the same movement pattern do actually recruit different muscles say for example myself like i was only only front squatting for a good while there like i was really really pushing the front squat um because that's my main kind of goal this year overall is to build that front squat and kind of get that up very to kind of higher numbers than i've ever gotten it to before and i hadn't really back squatted at all it wasn't really fitting in my program and now i've kind of gone back to it because i'm kind of approaching the numbers i want to be hitting in the front squat but the first session i went back to the, the to the back squat and my adductors were on fire you know like, and like they were so beat up like i did two sets uh, and it was way like what but last time i did back squats and i was really pushing them i got up to like 180 kilos for i think i got like seven and a half reps which is scum like i wanted eight um but yeah and like when i was doing it I got back into them i was like okay i worked up to 180 for a single just to kind of see where i was at and that literally tore my adductors up like i was in in ribbons like i did i did like two sets um when i kind of reduced the weight at like 160 for singles then again and oh man my adductors were in bits you know and i had been front squatting that whole time so it wasn't like i was just coming back to uh, like squatting after not having done anything at all you know like i was I, I had been squatting the whole time you know so people kind of forget that like little minor like subtle changes like that's just the bar position now obviously they are essentially two different lifts completely but even just the bar position, hand position on things, it does change the movement substantially and it does change the muscles that are working substantially. So I always kind of in my head kind of question what people are doing when they change from say, you know, like you said, like a lap pull down to a row or something. It's like, yeah, okay. Like you are targeting the back musculature, but surely the reason you have 
a pull down in here or like a chin variation or something is because you want to challenge that muscle in that range. You know, like that's what you're thinking of. It's not just, oh, I'm, I'm doing back, you know, like you, you obviously mm. or you should at least have an idea what that is targeting and why it's in your program as a whole. Like, why don't you just do a back workout with 30 sets of rows if that's if it's just all oh, just training back, you know, like, why is this bent over row better than single arm dumbbell rows? Like what? Like if you have no overall goal with the exercises you're doing, like you, how could you ever say one exercise is better than another if they're just oh it's just all training back you know and they, i like i have a, a bit of an issue sometimes with people that kind of write programs and it's like oh uh, horizontal row variation or vertical row variation you're like like that they're not the same they're, they are targeting the same musculature but they're not the same movement so it's not like if i got a program like that that just said do a row variation it's like well like what kind of row variation is yeah. it kind of a, a a closer grip one is it a wider grip one are we doing them standing like are we doing bent over rows are we like because that's obviously you know targeting the erectors as well and kind of a lot of support muscles you know are like are we doing it you know seal rows or something like there's, there's a huge amount of variation it's not just all rows target your lats you know like that's yeah i, I well i'd hope as an industry we're far beyond that, that like you were, if, if you were getting you a think? program, yeah, I would, I would hope anyway, like that, like, like that kind of stuff is like, Oh, like you, if you're getting that, you've no idea of what, or no understanding of that muscle, muscles, muscles actually, muscle. uh, you know, have functions and to target specific areas, you do actually have to do certain movements, you know, like, so I would hope that we are beyond that, as an industry, you know, um, but in terms of, you know, exercise variation, people do forget that even slight variations are different exercises and do target muscles differently. So although Absolutely. yes, a row is a row is a row. It's not, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's like, there's a reason why a, a single arm dumbbell row is different than a bent over row. You know, like there, there are reasons behind that. And we've gone into these kind of stuff in, in the militia and things, you know, where we've talked about like, why should you do this exercise or what's the benefit of this exercise? And you, you kind of have to take that into account when you are switching or putting in a bit more variation in your exercise selection, uh, in your overall training program. You know, it's not just, I'm just going to throw in a few, throw in a few different exercises oh, my favorite powerlifter on Instagram is is doing this exercise now. I'm, I'm just going to start throwing that in, even though it has no carryover to your overall goals. It's just, it just looks cool, you know? Yeah, I think they're all, actually, they're all very important points. And like you said in the militia, like we've discussed things, like we literally have articles on this is things as specific as why you should do underhand grip or overhand grip with actual like examples of who like who should do this who should do that like why you would feel discomfort things like that because like it's important to recognize that those things actually do matter and the problem with a lot of people is that they just say all oh, these things don't matter you're focusing focusing on the minutia and the thing is an exercise maybe that doesn't quite suit your body very well might be fine for 4 6 weeks but if you go down the line and do that for the next 10 years, you're going to have 
fucked up elbows, messed up shoulders, you know, all these little issues that accumulated over the years because you were doing this exercise that was aggravating some joint, some tendon, some muscle in your body that you didn't even realize. That's why, like like you said, I, re- I don't like that idea of just having programs that say horizontal row variation. And to be fair, I actually do have that exact phrase on two of my clients' programs. And the reason for that is because autonomy, like giving people autonomy and empowering them tends to actually lead to better outcomes some of the time. And I will gauge that based on the actual client. And it's generally those people who have quite a large selection of equipment in their gym. And also they're in university gyms where they're waiting quite a lot of time for equipment. So, you know, if on a given day they do a cable seated row instead of the machine seated row that I'd rather them do, I'm cool with that. But um, like you said, you know, there should be a reason for the exercises that we're actually including in a program. And on that note as well, when you are thinking about exercise variation, I would imagine there should there would be a reason as to why you were choosing a new variation of an exercise. Like our, our friend Lachlan Gannon, He's just this skinny guy. He's like 130 oh, kilos or something. Oh, disgusting how skinny he is. It's so skinny. He's, he's afraid of calories. But anyway. Anyway. Anyway, he actually, he's a very interesting example of someone who will adjust his program over time with like very specific reasons, not just from a theoretical perspective, but things that he's tried and tested. Um, I know you talked to him quite a bit, Paddy, and you know, he says like, he'll do back squats for a while and then he'll kind of plateau and he'll say, oh, then I noticed that when I bring in my front squat for a while and then I go back to the back squat, I've gotten X benefits out of that and then that helps me progress my back squat forward. And that's a really nice thought process, both from his own experience, but from like a biomechanical perspective as well. Like maybe you might include good mornings for a while to really build some robust upper back strength, um, some upper spinal extensors so that you can actually then overcome that weakness in your deadlift. Like there should be reasons that you're actually varying your exercises. But I guess on that note as well, I, when it comes to beginners, like I would generally say for advanced lifters, I'd be less keen on them varying their base exercises since they're probably going to get more benefit from manipulating those volume, intensity, frequency variables over time, and then addressing weak points with their variations. Like their variations should be very specific to weak points that they're trying to address. Whereas when it comes to beginners, I'm not sure if you will agree with this or if a lot of people will agree with it, but I would say that I actually like to expose beginners to a larger, like if I'm coaching someone for quite a while, I like to have a bit of variation in the program over time, like exposing them to some different squat variations, some different kind of pressing and rowing variations, and overall a a wider variety of exercise selection. Because what we have to remember is that if that's that first person's first two years of lifting, and let's say all they've done for legs is a barbell back squat, then yeah, they've learned that really well and they've got those those patterns locked down. But what we have to remember is that like you alluded to, that's recruiting very specific musculature in a very specific way. And when you then go to a new exercise, maybe after the program or maybe you play sport or you take up a sport or you start training under someone else, you're suddenly going to be like Bambi on ice again because you'll never have done a front squat or a goblet squat or a lunge and things like that so is that something you'd agree with in terms of more variation yeah for for beginners like i kind of like to stick with i'm gonna say basics but like a, a kind of pool of exercise exercises uh, for the first eight to 12 weeks 
and kind of get them to master that. And that half of that is not even just actually, you know, mastering the movements themselves. It's kind of mastering the confidence in the gym itself, you know, because a lot of the time you, you won't have the confidence to be, to go from say, I, I don't know, whatever, a, a dumbbell bench press to a chest press machine. You're just like, are, are they the same movements? Am I working the same musculature? Like what's the story? Like they just don't know. So I kind of like to keep, the same things the same so they kind of go in with a plan and they have a good idea that okay this is what i have to do to get to where i want to be and then once i feel i'm confident that they're they're confident in the gym and that they know what they're about they understand how to actually activate the muscles they understand you know how to you know perform the majority of kind of the the basic lifts and maybe not the more complex ones like even something like an overhead press like i probably wouldn't put that in a beginner's program purely because yeah purely because there's a lot a lot of stuff going on and most people just don't have the requisite mobility and whatever um but for the first eight to eight to twelve weeks kind of i like to keep things fairly fairly simple fairly the same and after that yeah i'm 100 percent in for you know building that base as wide as possible exposing them to a variety of different loading patterns for one you know rep sets tempos you know e- even stuff like drop sets and stuff just so they can be like okay so that's what that feels like to kind of really push through you know that kind of lactate or that hydrogen accumulation um and stuff like that so like i do like to bring in a bit more variety of exercises variety of loading patterns variety of intensity boosting uh, protocols uh, purely because it exposes them to a huge amount of variety in their overall program and kind of bumps up their training age if that makes sense like if you have a nice yeah. if you have a nice wide base and you're like I'm, I'm fairly confident in the gym i know how to perform all these exercises i've locked down my technique for all these exercises someone comes up to you and says oh, oh have you ever done a giant set you're kind of like yeah i know what that is and you know this is this is what i've done before now obviously with a beginner and stuff you have to be a bit more careful that you're bringing it in strategically that you're not just going oh yeah i'm just you know throwing as much shit at the wall and hoping something sticks you know it's like no you have to like if we're going to bring it in we're bringing it in for one muscle group and that's it like it's not oh giant sets for this entire program you know uh German volume training, uh, German body comp, you know, all, any of these kind of things. It's like we're not we're not just throwing everything at you straight out the gates because we're changing programs. It's like we're going to bring it in for one muscle group, get you accustomed to training like that, and see how you respond to that. Like sometimes you find people are like, oh, I just really enjoy that. I really get a lot out of that. I feel, and obviously the results themselves, you know, they feel like they're progressing and, and they are actually progressing. So. I, I'm in 100% agreement with you, you know, building that base as wide as possible as a beginner. Once they've kind of mastered the basic few lifts or even just mastered, like I don't care if they're on machines to start out with. Once they've mastered being able to actually activate their muscles and if I said, you know, kind of flex your chest, they can, they can get some sort of connection with their chest going. They can kind of, you know, do the little pec dance type thing. You know, if I'm like flex your biceps, they can kind of flex their biceps. Even if it isn't like that 100% perfect connection, like I want to know and want to be able to see that they are actually able to activate their muscles and get some sort of connection. Because once you're able to do that, you can really start bringing in a bit more variety into the training. Having said that though, like if a beginner is coming to me and they're just killing it, like they're every single week, it's like, yeah, I added five kilos to my back spot. I'm I'm not going to change it. 
Like, I'm not, Keep it going. I'm not going to change it just for the sake of going like, oh, well, uh, usually after 12 weeks, I fuck things up and I just, you know, throw in a lot of different variety or variations. It's like, nah, man. I, like, if you're like every single week, added five kilos, added five kilos, I'm just going to keep doing that until you're maxed out of what you can do. You know, like, I'm not going to delay your progress and be like, oh, well, I felt like I could do 160 kilo squat, but we changed the variation after I got to 140. You know, it's like, I'd, I'd rather see you keep pushing it, you know, because a lot of beginners will do that. They'll feel like, oh yeah, I need to change things up, you know, yeah, shock the muscles. And it's like, nah, like, yes, you do need to build a big base and cover a variety of different loading patterns and different stimuli. But at the same time, like you should be getting stronger overall like i always look at it like the first five years in the gym if you have a good plan of action like there's there's really no reason you shouldn't be squatting well i'm saying this but you know strength is obviously going to be somewhat has to be somewhat of a focus but there's no reason you shouldn't be squatting like double body weight five years in the gym unless you have some sort of pre-existing conditions that make that harder for you like i don't i'd almost even give you an exemption although I'm not going to but like i'd almost give you one because your feet are fucked up like you know and um, i can still squat the whole body weight i know okay. but i'm just i'm just saying like I, like i'm i'm talking about general population yeah like if you do have an issue like i have osgood slatter syndrome or osgood slatter disease depending on who you talk to um <laughs> that's what yes it's in the literature as disease i'm like fuck that's, that's i know that's yeah. pretty morbid like it's funny uh, but anyway um like if you have something like that, that's going to make it harder for you to load and progress a certain movement. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. You're not going to be able to hit those kind of strength standards within a couple of years of lifting. And it might be a bit longer for you, but as a generalization, like you should not be changing exercises so often that if you, if I was to ask you like, Oh, what numbers did you hit in whatever exercise in January? And I ask you the same question in December and you're like, yeah, they're pretty much the same. It's like, well, like that year you just fucked around. Like, Yep. Agreed. And the next thing I kind of wanted to touch on on that as well was it's one of the, the downfalls of a lot of trainees. And I actually think it's more relevant to people around the kind of intermediate, intermediate kind of maybe two to three or four year training age where you start to pick up a little bit of knowledge you start to kind of get excited by this little bit of you know you know a little bit of anatomy you've come across a wider bank of exercises you're following people like triage method on instagram and suddenly you see this exercise that looks really cool and you get attracted to these kind of you know attractive shiny things you know you see these these shiny things and you want them and you're like oh cool I'm going to go for that exercise now. And you're just constantly seeking novelty. So you see, you know, some sort of leg extension convolution. And then you see that triage method say something about a resistance profile and you never considered that before. So now you're changing all of your exercises to try and find the perfect resistance profile. And then you see that hypertrophy coach is using a lot of bands. So you're like, oh, I know I'm going to use a lot of bands because that's better. And you know, you're just doing another thing and another thing and another thing and it's giant sets and it's drop sets and it's supersets and you're not actually getting anywhere because all you're doing is looking at the shiny things and saying, I want that. And what you have to realize is that there is nothing, even, even anything we say, there's nothing new in weight training. 
like there, there's nothing no one's going to make up anything new in weight training in the coming year so if someone claims some training system as their own it's bs you know these things have been around for like 100 plus years if not longer um most of the things even things that come out in the literature these days you know you see a lot of research coming out these days like on drop sets and stuff and it's like ah come on like for fuck's sake like <laughs> these things have been around for decades and decades and decades and fair enough it's important to validate those things i'm sure but still um you know a lot of people do see those shiny things and they're like i'm gonna do that now because brad schoenfeld made a post and said that this was effective in this context once and it's like it doesn't mean you have to include it in your program so this is why it's very important to actually try and focus on like principles as opposed to getting caught up too much in the methods like if you're selecting exercises that suit your body quite well you know that they are in in line with the muscle groups that you're trying to target um you know that you're doing appropriate levels of volume you know that like your rep ranges are good for your intensity of training at appropriate frequency all those things like if you've got those in place then do that for weeks and months and then you know, think back to that exercise that you saw that you thought might be useful, then add it in. But add one exercise, you know, it's it's not about changing everything. Because this is one of the things people are very poor at evaluating their progress. It's the same with dieting. You know, people, you ask them, oh, what has what, what your training been like for the last six months? And they're just like, oh, I don't really know. I've did this for a few weeks. And then I kind of changed to that. And then uh, I just messed around for a while. I had no program. And then it's like, how can you possibly know what is actually good for you and what is going to help you from here on and this is one of the things that like when we take on our client first one of the most important things is actually getting to know the person not just as a person what they work at but you know how they respond to certain programming variables and like anyone that tells you that you're getting a program day one that is completely bespoke and specific to them and their needs it's bullshit because i'll tell you that our programs there's no way that they can possibly be specific to the person's needs on day one because that is why you know we have a comprehensive questionnaire and we have a comprehensive check-in process every week because the goal is to develop feedback and together or to get feedback and develop a lot of data over time that we can then say all right you know what you respond really well to this and i can tell you from coaching people that that that's not always the same between people um so it's important to gather that data don't get caught up in the shiny things and you know be consistent over time otherwise you'll never know what's good for you yeah like your your program should be this ever-evolving organism almost like and for example like you you may be able to handle a certain amount of volume overall stressors at certain time points in your life but now may not be that time like you might remember oh when i was in college you know you hear like you always see like an American football dads in movies and stuff. They're like, I remember when I was in high school and I could have scored the, the game winning pass and blah, blah, blah. They have this whole big story or whatever. Like, it's kind of like that. People have this reminiscent time of, oh, I remember I was doing this much volume or this program and I got great results from it. It's like, yeah, that, that's cool. Like you were in college at the time with fuck all stress. You had no mortgage. You didn't have fucking three kids. You didn't have, you know, your boss sh- screaming down your neck and all these other stressors. And people go, oh, yeah, but none of that matters. Like this, this is the program that got me such great results. It's like, yeah, but you don't have the capacity to recover from it now. Like your program should be this ever evolving organism like yes take the principles that you learned from that program that worked for you but it it should be tailored to you now 
you know so like you said whenever we start out with someone they do get a kind of i'm not going to say generalized program but at the same time probably it is pretty much a generalized program like we'll get their goals we'll get their their training history we'll get you know what they're kind of working towards and what their kind of ideals are and you know get a good understanding of who they are as a person and, and kind of what they want to achieve and design the program around that but at the end of the day it's still only generic to those goals. Like, I don't know if a front squat is going to suit your biomechanics better than a back squat. I don't know if, you know, you have the ability to do a dumbbell shoulder press, you know, without bringing the incline of the chair back a little bit. You know, like, I I don't know those things just straight out the bat. I actually have to see you move. I have to see how you recover from training. You know, like, at the moment i'm just doing check-ins as well and like one of my clients is like oh you know my hamstrings are feeling pretty beat up and we only have like maybe nine sets of hamstrings in the week and he and he's feeling beat up from that so it's like okay well we just don't have the recovery capacity for that now so we're going to reduce the volume a little bit until we're able to recover and then then we can start pushing you know stuff up a little bit you know testing the waters to see if we can recover from a bit more but Right now, even though I was starting off with a bit of a more moderate volume of work, we still weren't able to recover from that. There's no way I could know that without actually, you know, getting into the overall program with them as an individual. Like I might go, oh, well, you know, I can do like 20 sets of hamstrings per week and and be grand. It's like, yeah, who the fuck cares? Like, that's me. That's not the individual that's in front of me now, you know? So people kind of forget that. They look at this powerlifters do it a lot as well like they're like oh i got this program off uh, juggernaut training systems no no hate on them like they put out great content you know and they're like oh i got i got it off them so it has to be perfect and it's like yeah like they like it's not perfect for you you know they're they're giving you this general template that you're supposed to go away from and kind of tailor to you as an individual you know so people do kind of get lost in their overall goal uh, and they either start bringing in too much variation, too much, they, they change the program too much or people get married to, oh, this is the only way and it has to be like this. So you do have to kind of play that razor's edge where it's like, okay, am I just changing things for the sake of changing things with no overall goal and no overall structure or am I actually changing things because I have a clear, concise goal in mind and this exercise is actually going to get me to that quicker or better more efficiently whatever yeah i think i think it's important to just look at that program or any program that you start as an entry point like it's just all right we're gonna start here and see how things go and i think one of the things that really really annoys me when people when personal trainers or coaches kind of do this and on social media like they share feedback from their clients who just signed up on week one and they're like oh man i've never been so beat up in my whole life you know i can't even move and all this stuff i'm just like man that is so stupid like that that is not something you want to be bragging about it just kind of it's just because trainers just get this kind of like god complex about themselves where they're like these are the workouts i do I learned this sickening intensity technique off John Meadows on YouTube. So now I'm going to give it to you, the beginner who just signed up with me. And of course the person is going to be absolutely beat up, but like Patty, I know that like you're the same, but like I've like, 
all the the tools in the toolbox in terms of like I could give you the most ridiculous exercises. I could give you the most ridiculous complexes of exercises and supersets and giant sets and perfect resistance profiles and all this fancy stuff. Like, yeah, we have that in the toolbox, but they're not necessarily things you just pull out at random and just say that, oh yeah, the person was in pain, therefore that's a good sign. Like that's just stupid. It's not what you're looking what you're looking for. So try and kind of adopt this pro- this thought process that we're trying to give to you in terms of doing something, then assessing and reevaluating based on that. And don't just look at your only outcomes as Jesus. Don't don't just look at them as soreness and, and how fatigued you feel because that's just ridiculous. Like as you'll have heard Paddy say there, his 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 thought process regarding a client being in a little too much soreness, a little too much fatigue after a training day was to actually reduce the workload. Whereas what you're seeing a lot of people do is actually brag about the fact that they are in pain or that their clients are in pain, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, so I think it's important to keep that in mind that we're not looking for soreness as an outcome. We're not looking for you to be beat up as an outcome. We're looking for exercise to in some way enhance your life and to kind of fit it in there somewhere. So with all that in mind, do you think that covers the variation thing well? I think it's good to give some kind of practical recommendations, I guess, in terms of how often you should vary your exercises. And I think I'd go out on a limb to say that maybe you could change your isolation-based exercises, the single joint movements, single muscle movements, maybe every four to eight weeks, depending on how long your individual training phases actually are. Um, maybe a bit longer, depending on your own personality. If you like novelty, you're not exactly chasing optimal. You might even you might aim for that bottom end that um four week bracket whereas you might go up to eight to twelve if you're someone who's just like look i just want to get absolutely everything out of this and that's cool and then for compound movements i would say i'd probably stick with a a squat variation or a deadlift variation that you're doing for at least 12 weeks and you know if you're getting a lot out of that and you're able to manipulate volume or intensity to keep progress rolling then why not just keep it going? Unless you have a specific reason to change it, um, you don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I, I'm 100% in agreement. Like the the fluff stuff, man, you can change that up a bit more frequently. Um, but the, the main movements, they should definitely be staying in for at least kind of the three-month period, at least kind of that kind of you know framework. I would definitely be trying to keep them in for 12 weeks, three months kind of time. Um, but the more the more fluff stuff, you know, some bicep curls. Like if you're like, oh, like I just want to, I've been doing hammer curls, say for example, and I just want to do something else. Like say for example, you've been doing hammer curls for twelve weeks, and you just you're literally just using the same weight every single time. Nothing's progressing. It's like okay, let's bring in some sort of different variation that works the muscles from a different angle, works different muscles that may help once they're strengthened may help increase your poundages in your hammer curls. Yeah, perfect. Bring that in. But as a general rule, I probably wouldn't be changing my exercise selection or variation any shorter. Yeah, I suppose that's the right word. Uh, then every three weeks, like if you're changing your exercises every three weeks, um, I don't know, man, is that enough time to really get the most from it? Probably not. Even every four weeks probably isn't the most time to get the most out of it i would kind of be sticking to that kind of eight week ideally but you know maybe you do like a bit more novelty like you said and you just kind of go oh like i actually you know i want to change it up a bit more frequently it helps keep me actually adhering to the plan that's perfectly cool that's perfectly fine i honestly don't mind that and um, but 
every exercise you bring in or get rid of should have a clear defined goal. Like if you're just doing junk volume, just to kind of go, oh yeah, I better hit certain movements just because I saw their, their good movements and you're just going through the motions. You're not actually progressing them. You're not actually keeping the intent on the muscles the whole time. Then fucking just skip it. Like I don't care. Like it's, it's in your, it's just, it's just accumulating fatigue. That's not actually bringing you a huge amount of av- advancement. So fuck it, like get rid of it then. But man, I'd be whenever bringing in an exercise or dropping out an exercise, I would be thinking, why is this in here? What exactly is it accomplishing? Is there a different exercise that fits my body or the the strength profile of that muscle better? If there is, yeah, cool, bring it in. But if you're just changing up exercises every single time you go in because you're flicking through Instagram going, yeah, like that looks cool. Like you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, and I think I think one more thing we should probably bring up is that changing your exercises very frequently is it's it gives people the impression of progress a lot of the time which is a bit of an illusion and i think it was actually you that told me the story patty about a famous coach one time that used to recommend variation every three weeks so you change your exercise every three weeks and people are you know people are saying that geez i'm I'm adding like 20 kilos to the bar every time i go to the gym and that's because you are not familiar with the exercise when you first go in and as we alluded to at the start the first few weeks of any exercise is going to be primarily like neurological changes your body adapting to the exercise you becoming skilled at that movement so you can add weight really really fast so if you change your weight change your exercise every three to four weeks you're going to think you're progressing all of the time like these are the people that say new pb new pb new pb like literally every couple of weeks on instagram but they haven't grown in like four years you know that this is the reason it's because you don't actually allow yourself to accustom to the exercise to get used to it for long enough for it to actually be a true like gain in strength it's just a gain in skill that you actually lost and that you had before so it's important to keep that in mind and also the soreness factor even though we mentioned it already if you're changing your exercises all the time yeah you're going to be sore all of the time like i had this with a client today who checked in she had kind of always had more sporadic exercise habits you know going to a few few classes here and there going to the gym like doing a few random exercises just on and off and as a result she had associated all of her exercise practices with muscle soreness and like that was just what she associated with going to the gym and that's what a lot of beginners do associate with going to the gym but when you begin to follow a program it's completely normal and what you want for that soreness to actually you know dissipate like you shouldn't be sore after a couple of weeks really um at least not for more than like a day or two so if you're constantly like looking for that soreness then yeah change your exercises all of the time but you're not going to truly progress yeah like if you're using soreness as your marker of progress like literally just change up your exercise every single time <laughs> go in max max effort that shit and just fucking go balls to the wall with volume like you're going to wake up the next morning feeling like you got run over you know um there is another kind of argument or rather another point that we haven't really discussed. And that's programs such as, you know, Westside oh, yeah. Barbell that they change their, their like max effort work every single 
week you know some, sometimes like uh, if you kind of talk to the guys that do it or you know look at actually their programs and read the books and stuff like they do advocate sometimes keeping in exercises for a longer period of time especially if you're new beginner kind of stuff and um, so like it's not always just oh switch up your main exercise every single time like that's not what it's about but they're doing it a little bit more strategically than a lot of people would be doing because first of all they're generally keeping their assistance work the same like they're they're going in with their assistance work with a goal in mind it's like i'm actually going to target this exact weakness that i have you know they might be doing like like even like they'll, they'll always go in they'll train the the max effort work together and then they might split off into groups and be like well i need to work on my erectors or something so they'll, they'll have a group doing good mornings or something or people will be like oh well i need to work on you know my my tricep strength so i'll be doing close grip bench as my assistants whereas someone else might be doing i don't know jm presses or, or something like that <coughs> so they will keep their assistance work more regular but what they're essentially doing with their max effort work is not so much training the muscular system or training man they're not even training the nervous system they're training the fucking balls like they are they are training to be able to be strong at every single angle and this is kind of something that a lot of people want like they want to be peaked all the time like people want to be able to hit their max effort deadlift the day after they just hit a max PB in reps on the squat. Like people want to be as strong as they humanly can all the time. Like they want to be able to do everything. Like like everyone that goes to the gym is kind of like, well, why shouldn't I be able to hit my my max, you know, any day of the week? Where you kind of forget that like it does take kind of a bit more of a, a peaking protocol to be at your very best at a certain exercise. But that's not what Westside Barbell are trying to do. Like they are just trying to be generally as strong as humanly possible. Like they are they are going in and it is it is essentially training a nervous system to be able to battle heavy loads and you know get the most out of the body under heavy loads. But it's not what most people are doing and just changing up exercises and doing a bunch of volume. Like they're doing max, maybe triples in, in the lifts. And it, it is essentially just training the body to be strong in these different positions, you know? And Louis Simmons kind of has this almost rain man uh, brain where he's like, Oh, if you hit this lift for you as an individual, you should be like, if you're whatever, your good morning strength is at this level. Um, you'll your squat will be at this level for you as an individual like he knows your numbers you as a as a specific individual so if you're looking at that kind of west side barbell template and kind of trying to emulate that and just go well they switch up exercises every single week so that's what i'm going to do like it's not the same like they're they're more strategically switching up exercises to target certain things also you're not in that environment so you're not actually training like they would advocate training. Like I'm even talking on it now and I, I don't even know what, exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. Like you actually have to to train there to get the uh, uh, handle on that. However, that actually doesn't apply to the majority of people because the majority of people are not trying to be world record holder powerlifters. You know, like that's that's what Westside Barbell are trying to do. They, they want to be as strong as humanly possible and i mean as humanly possible not just as an individual i mean like they want to hit world world records you know so 
if you're just a beginner and going, oh, like I, I just want to kind of build some muscle and get a bit stronger, like changing up your exercises is not going to be what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, and I think the other thing to remember you know? about like considering like, oh, what do Westside Barbell do? Like the guys that are generally doing that conjugate system, if you want to call it, of training, like they're generally very advanced lifters. So if you ask any of them to do any of the lifts that are maybe in that rotation of training, they're going to be able to tell you, you know, okay, you know, when I do that lift, these are my specific cues. These are the things that I'm thinking about. But if you're someone that's a beginner to intermediate, like, and you're just changing exercises, like, do you really know, like, do you, do you really have that skill locked down so well that you think you can just fall back into the exercise without a, a, like a motor relearning period? I don't think so. So like for those guys who are very, very advanced, maybe coming back to the same exercise every couple of weeks, not really a big deal because they've been doing that for probably 10 years. Um, and it's also important to remember that those guys typically are perform. They're typically training for powerlifting, and they're doing so in a manner that is what you could call almost an injurious technique. <laughs> like they've generally got a, a classically very wide stance squat. And if you're going to train, if you were to train that all of the time with very high volumes and very high intensities, probably a chance of you running into some injuries you know so when those guys are in those extremes of those ranges probably is a good idea for them to have some variations that maybe aren't like that like doing the classical box squats and stuff where they're not changing direction in the extremes of the hip ranges probably useful but again that's context specific and something that probably doesn't apply for you for most people better idea to have less conjugation or exercise variation within a program i think that's fair um i think that's most things you also kind of forget as well like like as you said these guys are advanced lifters like if your squat is over a thousand pounds like you're not going to be able to do that every single week you know you just you simply aren't you know um you're going to need to reduce your overall volume or just like it, that can be your just your only lift like a lot of olympic lifters will do that so but they have a different kind of technique than power lifters have which as you said is probably a little bit less injurious even though people do kind of associate like high bar squats deep squats as being more dangerous yeah like they're, they're realistically I, I think they're not but you know maybe you'll disagree with me um um so like if you're squatting a thousand pounds and that kind of power lifting wide stance Good style, <laughs> like man fuck, your, your hips gonna be beat up the fucking Every, everything's going to be fucked so oh man like I, I you definitely wouldn't be able to do that week on weekend or week in week out if i could speak um so switching up yeah, switching up your your exercise selection there is probably going to allow you to progress more often like if you're like oh well my squat is a thousand pounds it's like what do you do like squat a thousand pounds every single week no fuck that like you're gonna be like okay well i'm gonna do you know a good morning variation here you know and like that just it's even though it's a heavy load and i'm taxing the body and that's nowhere near as taxing as that thousand pound squat <laughs> you know um so yeah beginners intermediates and even advanced trainees probably don't need that level of variation in their program and also you have to take into account that they're not doing a huge amount of volume of that variation like they're hitting the max effort and then fucking off doing their assistance work you know like it's not 
oh, I've, I've been doing five sets of 12 on this exercise and I'm going to switch it up to another exercise and do five sets of 12. Yeah. Like, man, I'm actually still in, I'm, I'm still in two of these uh, hilarious bodybuilding Facebook groups because uh, they're just like, these are guys that are actually like, like really high level bodybuilders, coach other people, like think they're like absolute geniuses, but man, some of the shit they go on about. Like there was one guy yesterday who's, or there was actually a lot of them that are just like, oh, having a program is stupid. Like you should just train by feel, just go in and obliterate your, obliterate the muscles every day. Like whatever, whatever's not hurting, just, just go to failure. It's like, man, like this is actually intolerable. <laughs> the other conversation was about like someone actually posted being dead serious. Guy's serious question. Should you have brown rice or white rice when cutting? And like, this was a full like 70 comment thread. I was just like, deleting facebook but anyway irrelevant <laughs> yeah but see this is this is also the thing with training as a whole and even training theory as a whole like people kind of forget that yeah. humans are fucking unbelievably adaptable like you could be doing the fucking shittest stuff ever and man your genetics just get you true like you see some people training and like oh jesus like they, they can't even bench press correctly and they're, they're lashing up like 140 kilos for whatever fucking 12 reps or some shit and you're like man your chest literally is huge but man your technique is disgusting like i'm surprised you even have bicep tendons like you know um but they get by because you know their genetics just get them through you know and then obviously the whole other conversation of you know drugs as well like people they basically use that as a crutch where it's like okay cool i can't progress because i don't know how to train effectively so i'll just take drugs and you know that'll get me through which is what 90 percent of you know the top end uh trainee trainers do even um they just kind of go well look it works for me because i'm on all these drugs like you even see people advocating like super high rep sets and then doing like drop sets after that and then doing like fucking rest balls after that and it's like yeah like i could definitely go in and do that <laughs> but man i'm gonna be crippled for like three weeks you know and i would consider myself i consider myself to have like good recovery capacity like i could train twice a day you know, if I really needed to, and I would still make progress. So like, I, I would consider myself as having pretty good recovery capacities. But some of these programs people are advocating, it's just not recoverable unless you are on drugs. And and this is kind of what muddies the water with, you know, overall training theory, because it's like, oh, well, this worked for me. And it's like, yeah, because you have unreal genetics and you're on drugs. So of course it fucking works for you. Like literally you could do a set of push-ups to failure and your chest would grow an inch, you know? So it's like, man, like, are you getting results because of your training or are you getting results in spite of your training? You know? And so like you do have to kind of take that into the overall argument that a lot of stuff that gets put out is put out by people that are genetic freaks and are on drugs so it's kind of up to you as an individual to kind of sift through that bullshit and be like look man that's just yeah like that's cool i'd love to be able to train like that but you know i i'm I'm not the genetic elite and i'm not on drugs so it's not possible 
you know like man i'd love to go in and you know when you were younger and you thought all this stuff was like realistic and you're like you're going in yeah but you're going you're going in and absolutely (laughs) dusting yourself off like proper like you you, you're wobbling out of the gym you're like oh i can't feel my fucking spine like you know (laughs) and and you're properly destroyed after you're like oh that was a great workout you know you're in with the lads you're in you're in with the lads or something you're like oh this is great like i remember like even when i knew better like i was still doing stupid stuff like again like i i have pretty good recovery capacity so you know i can get away with it but like some of the stupid stuff i used to do even even a couple of years ago just because i can get it or i could get away with it you know man you're just like well like look at all these guys that have better genetics than me and they're on drugs like if i can get away with this kind of stupidity like what the fuck those can general volume with? training days but it's actually funny like because when i was in sixth year like that was the year that I made the best progress ever. But it was because I was like sleeping nine hours per night. I wasn't overwhelmed by the leaving cert by any means. School was grand. Life was good. My mother was making all of my meals. So I was eating like a million calories. And I used to like kind of fall asleep in class. But we're not going to promote that because that was stupid. Um but yeah, life was just stress-free and I used to do like German volume training, like 10 sets, 10 on deadlifts and 10 sets, 10 on squats and stuff. Made unreal progress, but you know, by f- four weeks down the line, I was dead. Like, <laughs> you just hit this point where you're like, I have to leave the gym. This is really stupid. <laughs> but you know, you can recover from it to a certain point, especially when you have very little stress in your life. But a lot of us have a lot more stress in our lives. We're not sleeping nine hours per night. We don't have the privilege of just doing that all leaving cert <laughs> not that that's not stressful <laughs> and, and this 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 is kind of what we've said before though like if you're kind of following your instagram fit star it's pretty fucking stupid if you actually have a life like you have to look at the majority of these fitspos or whatever like the fitness is their entire career like they're making money off their bodies you know um so like training they're training for whatever an hour maybe two hours per day and that's it like they're doing fucking nothing after that like they're eating after that that's it oh man the worst thing i had today was i had to go for a nap like it's like what the fuck like man i'd love to go for a nap that'd be fucking nice like but no it's like i actually have a lot of fucking shit and work to do so like i can't i can't do the same volume of work that you can do and the majority of people can't so basing everything off these these fit poses it is unrealistic for the average person then obviously you have to take into account that yeah these people are making money off their body so they're probably on drugs as well <laughs> you know you have to take all of that stuff like it's literally the perfect storm for making unreal gains very low life stress you know very low overall stress outside of training the ability to sleep unlimited amount of hours that they need the ability to eat all day you know how many calories you need to get cool i can spend an hour cooking that meal fresh right there and then like whereas i'm like oh yeah give me that lunchbox like you know <laughs> um so all of that stuff has to be taken into account when you're comparing your results to someone else's and you'll see this a lot on on social media as a whole people kind of bagging on other people when they're not actually comparing like to like you know for example like people who are on drugs would be like oh you're small and it's like like you 
I don't think you understand it. It's like you're not comparing, like you're comparing someone who's natural to someone who is enhanced, right? That's not, that's like apples to oranges. So if you're on drugs and you're looking down going, oh, that guy is small. It's like, okay, well, he's not on drugs. So what really you should be comparing yourself is, on, you should compare yourself to Phil Heath. Like, why aren't you the same size as Phil Heath? Like, you're on drugs. So why aren't you that big? You know, and people are like, oh, because he has all this stuff and he has all this. And it's like, yeah, it's all just excuses at the end of the day. Like, whatever the fuck ex- the excuses are, there are genuine excuses. So, yeah, he might be on fucking 10 grams of fucking test a week and you're only on a fucking gram. But that's still a gram more than the fucking natty over there. So, like, you, all this comparison stuff in the fitness industry it's kind of retarded at the end of the day because it's like first you just don't know that person's life story you don't know that person's overall stress in life like you just don't know so like man it's fucking it's stupid at the end of the day to kind of compare yeah, and also the the other funny thing you to said, someone else's since the topic of like stress and stress management has become really really popular you know it's become increasingly popular for personal trainers and coaches and stuff that run fitness businesses to talk about it and to start telling everyone to take more chill out time, to take more time during your day to relax, to sit back, to just take some time to yourself. And, you know, we've talked about this sort of stuff. We've did, we've done podcasts on it, but I'd like to think we do it in a fairly rational manner. Whereas I think a lot of people kind of just have this high horse position where they're just like, everyone's too stressed. Everyone needs to stop worrying about everything Whereas like, like I know a lot of you that are even listening to this, you're, you're stressed right now about like going back to college because you've got like 40 hours a week that you're spending in college in that environment, right? That That's it. That's blocked off. And then you've got all this commuting time and then you're also trying to chase your fitness goals on top of that. So you don't actually have this much time. And I think, you know, a lot of personal trainers and fitness people like you were speaking about there who don't really do much for the rest of their day take a lot of that for granted they forget that people actually do have set hours that they need to be in work they forget that people do have kids families like food to prepare for other people other people to care for care for and it's not always as simple as just saying you know start start meditating and having these crazy four-hour morning routines it's like that's not real life, man. It's not how things work most of the time. And like, we can be very deluded in the fitness industry into thinking that everyone that can, can live like us and just doesn't work a lot of the time. And I, I'm sure like we both know that as students, because we're not just sitting around, just writing an all article and then just cooking all of our meals fresh and meditating and napping and all that stuff. Life isn't that simple. Of course. Yeah, like, well, there is obviously a benefit to, you know, taking 10 minutes out of your day. Cool. Everyone can everyone can find 10, 15 minutes out of the day. Like, that. that's that's not an unrealistic expectation. You know, it's when people are like, oh, you need to do 20 minutes of meditation in the morning and then write in your, your, write in your gratitude journal and then you need to take 20 minutes during the day and then 20 minutes before you go to bed and again, write in your gratitude journal. It's like, all right, cool, that's an hour, an hour and a half out of my day that uh, I'm already struggling to get all my jobs done for that day. So, man, again, there's this huge disconnect between the fitness industry as a whole and the real world, you know, because a lot of people that are in the fitness industry like training. They actually like being in the fitness industry. Whereas a lot of 
general population just don't because they've never been exposed. They've never been exposed to training modalities or training in general that they firstly enjoy and secondly actually see progress from like they're like oh yeah i know i should be training or i know i should be doing something but it never works for me so you know i just fucking hate it it's like okay cool there's a reason it doesn't work for you and there's a reason you hate it as a result we can sort that out we can find enjoyable training modalities that you actually enjoy and want and are excited to go to and do rather than just going like oh i'm a write-off i'm not going to do anything you know, because again, there is this huge disconnect because like, I, I fucking love training. Like if you were just like, right, Patrick, we're just going to pay you to train. Like, I'd be like, where do I sign up? Mm. You know? And I'm, I'm sure you're the same. Like if he was like, all right, cool. All you have to do is, is train sign and then up. relax and like relax all day. It's like, cool. Fucking awesome. Whereas the majority of people would be like, yeah, majority of people are like, oh, like, nah, man, like I'm just <sighs> training. Nah, fuck that. Like, you know? So, yeah, when like whenever you're you're looking at the fitness industry as a whole, like you do need to take into account that the majority of people in it are completely in their own world and they have no idea you're what completely the real world. Um, you're is actually my screen. Like. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> my grand, the audio is still working. Um, it's grand. We're we're still, still we're still recording here. Um, okay, never mind. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of yeah, I'm still here coming up. We're actually gone over the hour, I'd say. But have you any any other thoughts about kind of life in general? Think messages you'd like to share because I think we always end this on a bit of a life standpoint, viewpoint, perspective. I think we just did anyway. But anyway, any more thoughts? Yeah, man. When I was away in London during the week, um, I obviously went and visited a lot of war memorials and stuff um, because I'm really into all that shit. Um, and it's actually something that the, the British do really well. They actually honor those that have gone before them and honor the fact that freedom isn't free. And I think kind of people in this day and age do forget that, that they have this expectation that life should be handed to them on a plate. You know, we've been sold this kind of idea. I'd even, I'd even go as far as to say it's a lie. We've been sold this lie that you are to be given things. Like it isn't to be worked for, you know, it's to be given to you. You're, it's almost like someone's allowing you, demand, whatever, whoever you want to call it, is allowing you be successful. But it's simply not the way evolution works. Like evolution is survival of the most adaptable, you know, or the fittest, if you want to use that term. So the person that succeeds or the people that succeed, the people that rise to the top are the ones that are best suited to that environment you know and they are the ones that have dragged themselves up to that higher point and people kind of look at that and see almost envious being like oh why should they have that why should they be above us rather than going how can i emulate some of that how can i bring myself along the road that they have gone down. Now, again, I'm not saying this is 
possible for everyone. Like there are actual genuine reasons why someone might not be able to succeed in life. And it is because of other people. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Of course it does. But what I'm saying is a lot of people feel entitled to a great life, a fair life. And they do forget that freedom isn't free. Freedom and all the freedoms that and the rights that you enjoy were one. Like someone, like everything you enjoy now, all the freedoms, all the rights were bought on the backs of someone else's lives or someone else's life. You know, so it's not really a right to succeed. It's almost a responsibility. <clears throat> like you take into account that someone has died for you to have the right to freedom of speech, you know, like someone, someone had to have died to get that because we didn't have that before. So people had to fight for that, you know, like, so I feel people kind of forget that if you want something, you do actually have to work for it. There's no one that's just going to give it to you. It's not going to be handed to you on a plate. And I also feel that we should respect the fact that those that have gone before us, paved the way for us to be able to do what we want to do. And a lot of people forget that we do have a culture and every culture is a rich culture in that where that society is or where that culture is now is a reflection of what has gone before them, you know? So there is clearly a path to success within that culture. There is clearly a way to get what you want because people have done it, you know? So rather than looking at the whole culture, society, whatever, and saying, oh, I'm not where I want to be because of him or her or whoever, think back and go, okay, how can I actually change myself to get what I want? Like, do you, like, you see this a lot with people who are introverted. They'll be like, oh, well, I'm introverted, so I'm not going to do any quote unquote extroverted things. But you actually deal or delve into it and you go, okay, why are you introverted? And a lot of the time it's because they're either lacking in confidence. That's cool. That that that's a genuine thing. But a lot of the time you will see that a lot of introverts will think that they are their thoughts are better than other people's like they're like oh this these all these other peasants they're so stupid you know like my thoughts are clearly superior like you see this a lot on stuff like tumblr and stuff you know people people are like oh you just don't get it like oh i'm i'm far more superior intellect than you like oh jesus like you couldn't even comprehend it you're so stupid and and it's like they have their this whole this whole ego attached to themselves so it's like and like stop obviously i'm just picking on introverts here but people do generally do that where the thing that's actually holding them back is themselves so and this is this is to do with your whole fitness goals your life goals your fucking business goals whatever the fuck it is like take into account that you know maybe it isn't society that's set up incorrectly maybe it isn't your culture that is set up incorrectly maybe you just don't know how to fucking play the game you know because at the end of the day like everything like viva military s like to live is to fight like you like every single 
organism on your body right now like the microbes the little bugs whatever like they're fighting for survival all the like gut bacteria in your body they're fighting for their survival every single animal on earth is fighting for its survival and humans are the only ones that are quote unquote smart enough to think that they can be apart from that that they don't need to fight for their their goals they don't need to fight we're we're far more superior in our intellect we don't need that's that's so uh uncouth and brutal and whatever it's like man that's the reason you're not getting what you want and i'm not obviously advocating you go out and you know take what you want by brute force it's like that's obviously stupid as well what i'm saying is you know play the game the the rules of the game are pretty pretty straightforward you know like there's literally they're written down it's called a law you know so it's like you've you've actually been told the rules of the game you know and obviously there are subtle unwritten rules that you have to play by that you know maybe do hold you back but and it's not that hard you know if you want to just be like oh i'm just going to follow the formula that will get me money it's like first of all don't do a degree in something that you know a million other people have a degree in or a degree that doesn't give you a guaranteed high income like people doing like gender studies for example and expecting to be paid the same as rocket scientists it's like well like if you want to make if you want to make the same as rocket scientists then switch your major to rocket science Ah, fucking there you go like you're gonna make the same amount but they're like oh no i don't want to work for that i should just be given the same privilege or rights as that person it's like yeah but it doesn't work like that like every single right you have has a responsibility and obviously i'm just picking on like gender studies because it was the first one that came to my head but it's the same with anything like you can make the like i do science like if i'm like oh people in my course coming out wanting uh, a a job it's like okay cool there's like 400 other graduates this year that have the exact same degree as you what distinguishes you and it's like oh, well, you know, I didn't really put in any work in college. So, you know, I kind of graduated middle of the pack. Like I, I didn't, I got a 2-2. So do you have a job for me? And they're like, obviously not. There's fucking 200 people that graduated ahead of you in, their, in the class. It's like, and they all applied for this job because, you know, whatever, it's the best job in the country or whatever. And it's like, obviously you're not going to get there, but that's that's not society's fault. That's not culture's fault. That's your fault. You didn't put in the work. Like if the other people in your class were able to put in the work and, you know, study and do whatever, like, yeah, they might've had some fucking God given gifts and just been able to not put in work and just memorize everything and get away with it. But man, fuck it. Again, you can't compare yourself to someone else. You have to go, what do I need to do to actually get the results I want to get? So I suppose at the end of the day, it's like, you need to Put in the work that you need to put in and forget about anyone else. Just play the game, but then also respect what has gone before you and realize that it's a responsibility, not a right for you to achieve your best self. Anyway, that is yes, my sir, little I think in shit summary, talk at the end there, Gary. Have you about rights and stop worrying about responsibilities and duties because you can't have one without the other because that just doesn't make sense and all you end up doing is becoming a part of the pack that just shout about like what they are entitled to as opposed to actually having a duty to actually earn some sort of entitlement or what you're worth if you will but yeah i agree on everything you said um it's time to go
because I need to go and do shit. <laughs> but anyway. Right. Love you too. I love you, Gary. Bye. <laughs>